I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Arguments are over. Question time is about to begin. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he doesn't have the votes to end impeachment. Away we go. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. Senator, before we get started, I am seeing reports on Twitter, I want to hear it straight from you, that Mitch McConnell called the senators into a room and said he does not have the votes to stop witnesses. He does not have the votes to end impeachment. 
Well, I, I think those reports overstated a little bit. Okay. Uh, the votes are up in the air. It's not clear where the votes are, but it is absolutely true. We, we finished, uh, finished opening arguments today, finished it relatively early, about three o'clock in the afternoon. Hmm. And afterwards, all the Republicans went back to a conference room to talk about, OK, what next? And the next two days are questions. But then on Friday is the vote, and it's the vote on whether to hear additional witnesses. And by the way, that, that word additional is important. Hmm. Uh, the media, when they report it, keep describing it as the vote whether or not to hear witnesses. Right. But it's worth noting the House heard testimony from 17 right. witnesses. Hmm. Uh, and and they, they played that testimony for us. They relied on those documents. They laid it forward. So the question is, is any additional evidence or any additional witnesses necessary? That is a close question. I don't know where the votes are. All 47 Democrats are going to vote yes. So the question is, are there going to be four Republicans to join them? Uh, you've had, there could be, it is close. And so this was a meeting and, and we have these periodically. It, it uh, where, where leadership kind of brings the conference together and is trying to whip everyone and get everyone uh, in line. I, you know, I have to admit afterwards, Mike Lee and I were laughing because we've been to a bunch of those meetings. And usually it's leadership unloading on the conservatives. Mike, Mike and I are used to being, being the bad guys and being like, you know, just they're pounding on us going, why, why are you guys like, like right. causing trouble? In this instance, it was actually leadership trying to the, – the, the folks that are threatening to vote with the Democrats are, are the more, more moderate Republicans. And so it was very much a, uh, an effort designed to bring them along. That must have felt nice to be the good guy in one of these conference meetings. Uh, yeah, nice, although a little terrifying. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but uh, look, I think there were a lot of good arguments that were made. Um, the folks who are wobbly, the folks who haven't made up their mind where they're going to be, they were essentially quiet. So these are the people that you call the rhinos, the squishes. That's oh, the, those oh, are the oh, mean oh, terms. Look, I'm, I'm not going to throw any epithets. Right. Um, but... Listen, I, I think as a constitutional matter, as a legal matter, this is a very easy decision. The House managers haven't proven their case. Mm -hmm. They have the burden of proof. They have a burden of proof to prove the president committed high crimes or misdemeanors. And, they haven't done that. And in terms of the structure here, I mean, the reason that this meeting is crucial now is you had the House Democrats make their arguments for impeachment. They yep. got their, their yep. time to do that. Then the Trump team got its time to defend the president against impeachment. Now, over the next couple of days, we're heading into question time. That is when the senators get to ask questions of the two legal teams. Right. So this is the moment now where everybody's got to sort of circle the wagons and get the strategy Well, and, and in this huddle, I mean, a bunch of us stood up and had different things to say. So, so I stood up and I, and I tried to present three arguments to the conference as to why we, we should say we've heard enough. We don't need additional witnesses. The, the first I said is, look. As we've seen from the New York Times with this John Bolton stuff, mm -hmm. there's going to be a bombshell a day. This is the game they're going to play. There's going to be a bombshell tomorrow. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do it again the next day. And, and, and I, I relayed, look, this is, this is what the game they played during the Kavanaugh hearings, where they held all the accusations till the end, and then they rolled out one after the other after the other. And I said, look, the, the, the media wants to browbeat Republicans into extending this. Mm -hmm. So that was my first point. My second point is, listen, the Democrats, they haven't proven their case. They're losing right now. So their game is just delay. 
They just want to delay this, keep it going as long as possible, and engage in a fishing expedition. So bring in another witness. Maybe right. they'll get something from a witness, but just extend it out. And, and in particular, Chuck Schumer has not been subtle about trying to put Senate Republicans in purple states who are up for re-election right. in a hard position where whatever they vote, it's interesting. Schumer actually doesn't care, I think, how the purple state Republicans vote. Huh. Because if, if they vote against the president on any witness question— That'll demoralize their base and, right. and make it easier to beat them. On the other hand, if, if, if they vote with the president on all the questions, then that'll let in a purple state that, that, that may not be solidly uh, Republican. That then gives an opening for and the Democrats who are running against them to attack them. And interestingly enough, a number of the folks there described how their Democratic opponents were staying silent on impeachment. That huh. it's clear Schumer sent out the word, hmm. just stay out of impeachment and will drag it on. But, but the third point I made, and, and this is an important point that, that on the question of do we need additional witnesses, most of that's focused on John Bolton. There's a point that there's been so much talking and yabbering it gets lost that it's really important, which is in the House, John Bolton went to a district court and he said he was willing to testify and he asked a district judge, what should I do? Because the White House has told me not to, the House wants me to. And the House of Representatives affirmatively went to the district court in writing right. and said, we don't need John Bolton. They, they withdrew their request. It wasn't a big so They already they, got 17 other people to They to never subpoenaed him, and they withdrew their request. They said, we're not asking mm -hmm. for him. And so I pointed out, I said, look, I understand for senators, they're agonizing, and the media will beat up at, on you and say, don't you really want to be fair and call him? If they wanted to call John Bolton... They could have tried, right. and they decided they didn't need his testimony. This is not about John Bolton or any one witness. This is about delay it and engage in a fishing expedition. Now, you said that right now the Democrats are losing. Do you mean they're losing in terms of the arguments they're making? Do you mean they're losing politically because they do not have the votes to remove the president? What's the relationship between the two? All of the above. All of the above. Look, on substance, they haven't, they haven't proven their case in interest, I think a lot of the American people have, have checked out. Yes. Um, you know, I, I got to admit, like like today, the, the the number of if it weren't the middle of the afternoon, I'm I'm, I'm not sure half the Senate wouldn't have been napping at, at their desks. <laughs> um, this has gone on already a long time. Yeah. Um, and there's no there there. You, you know, it was interesting, Michael. I was thinking. So we've heard both sides opening. We've heard twenty twenty four hours was allocated to each. Mm -hmm. And, and after hearing it, I was thinking, all right, well, what are, the, what are the main arguments the Democrats had of what did the president do wrong? Right. So like, 24 hours into, you know, a few bullet points. Yeah. And, and as I can see it, there are five things, five big things that the Democrats say the president did wrong. Here's the crazy irony. Every single one of them, it is objectively true the Democrats have done worse <laughs> So, so let's go through them one at a time. Sure. So one thing they say the president did wrong was delay aid to Ukraine. So right. they've talked a lot about that. And so they had, you know, all these moments of, you know, people are dying in Ukraine and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. well, what is undisputed, yes, the president paused aid, aid to Ukraine. But what is undisputed is that Barack Obama never gave lethal military aid defensive weapons to Ukraine. But we're all told in the news, I've seen in the news, that Obama gave aid to Ukraine. Obama gave blankets and MREs, meals. And in mm. fact, look, I was sitting on the House mm. floor when President Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine, came and addressed us. And he said explicitly, 
He said, blankets are fine, but you can't stop a Russian tank with a blanket. So what, what you're saying, though, is that the Obama administration did not give lethal aid, meaning aid they could use in the aggression against Russia, but the Trump administration did give The Trump aid. administration gave Javelin missiles, which can take out a Russian tank. So you want to talk about, like, all right, bad thing number one, delaying military aid to Ukraine on any measure, Obama much, not even a little bit, much, much worse than Trump. Trump has been much stronger on Ukraine. How about number two, quid pro quo? Lots of discussion about quid pro quo. On the president, there's conflicting witness testimony. There's There's testimony on both sides. But you know what there isn't conflicting testimony on? Joe Biden. Joe Biden admitted a quid pro quo and a much more serious quid pro quo. You know what I've been calling the son of a bitch clip where where he said (laughs) we played it the other night uh, on the show. We did where he said, you know, he threatened Ukraine. He'd cut off a billion dollars in aid unless they fired the prosecutor investigating Burisma, the natural gas company paying his son at least a million bucks a year. So what what. President Trump might have considered doing, but didn't actually do in the end. Did or Joe- didn't do, and it doesn't matter. Whether there was a quid pro quo for Trump doesn't matter legally. But if they think quid pro quos are bad, they have Joe Biden admitting it. Right. And being proud of the quid pro quo unequivocally. Okay. And a much more serious quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. All right. How about number three, the cover up? That's a word the Democrats have said over and over again. Cover up, cover up, cover up. Because the, 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 the White House asserted executive privilege. Well, you know what there has been a cover-up of? All of the evidence on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Burisma. Right. The House blocked all those witnesses. They didn't want to hear any of it. They didn't talk about it at mm-hmm. all. You didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, they, and, and they keep saying, you, he, Trump couldn't even investigate. They want to cover this up. Because look, Joe Biden is their front runner. They don't want the evidence that, that, that and, and it's important to note, this is not about Hunter Biden corruption. This is about, whether Joe Biden, right. the vice president, was involved in corruption. But number four, investigate the rival. That's another thing. That's okay, right. so he was trying to investigate his political rival. All right, so let me get this straight. You're saying it's inappropriate, it's wrong to want to investigate your political rival. Well, you know who did that? A guy named Barack Obama. <laughs> in 2016. Who, who launched a major investigation of Donald Trump, sent in spies, put wiretaps on the Trump campaign, had the FBI and DOJ lying and fabricating evidence, as the inspector general laid out. So if you're saying, I just want like for a Democrat, okay, so you're saying it's wrong to investigate your political rival, (laughs) like Barack Obama did. Because, by the way, regardless of how Democrats would justify the Obama administration spying on the Trump campaign— we know that it happened. We know that that occurred. So regardless of how you could justify or, or attack President Trump's asking for an investigation in Ukraine, the same principle on holds. On any measure, Obama did it more than Trump. On right. any measure, like if you put them side by side, who did more to investigate their rival? <laughs> like, no it, question. It, it's, not, it's not, gosh, it's kind of close. It's kind of a little bit. <laughs> right. it, 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 it's, Trump said, how come no one's investigating this thing? Look, Joe's bragging about firing the prosecutor. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 that was it. And by all appearances, Ukraine didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. With Obama, they got wiretaps and did an investigation. They, I mean, they went all in. And then number five, cheating on an election. So mm-hmm. that's the big, you know, it, it's interesting. I bet you the Democrats have focus grouped this. Yeah. Because cheat's a very simple word. Mm-hmm. It's a word people can understand. You know it and, since the first grade. You know and, what cheat and they means. talk about that's what Trump was trying to do is cheat. Well, the irony is, what is this impeachment all about? 
It's about wanting to cheat on the 2020 election because the Democrats have been real candid. If they think if the American people have the chance to vote for President Trump, they will. So this is all about get them off the ballot. So if you're just assessing who's trying to cheat to win an election, abusing the Constitution to try to impeach a president because you're afraid the voters will elect him, reelect him, that is election fraud cheating at the highest level. And so all five of the things hmm. they say the president did wrong, I, I don't think the president did wrong, but if those things are wrong, I don't know how you can coherently argue anything other than the Democrats are much, much worse on all five. And on that fifth point, on the cheating point, the Democrats have actually been consistent on this. You heard Adam Schiff, the House impeachment manager the other day, he said, we can't let this go to the ballot box in November because we're probably going to lose. And you had Democratic Representative Al Green in 2017 say, we need to impeach this president because if we don't, I fear he may be reelected. Uh, look, you, you, you remember... Uh freshman representative Tlaib coming in to be sworn in was caught on video screaming, we're going to impeach the MFR. Right. Although she didn't abbreviate it. <laughs> um, that's literally like coming in what she promised to do. So then, as you say, it's pretty clear, I think, for any, any, uh, any of the 10 Americans who have been watching all of these endless impeachment hearings, and for the many, many Americans who are listening to this show, it seems pretty clear how the argument stands. So, so, so there is actually w one guy uh, locked in a grain silo with clips on his windows, <laughs> on his eyelids, and it's like a clockwork orange. Somewhere someone is playing every moment of this impeachment trial, and, and, and it's, just, it's just probably scientist experience. And it is cruel and unusual punishment I, without question. I, or, yes. Is there a chance, though, because it is clear, that you will see any Democrats break from their party and vote to acquit the president in this trial? So I think there is a chance. Um, I, I think the most likely would be a Joe Manchin, okay, uh, Democrat from West Virginia. Remember, he voted for Brett mm -hmm. Kavanaugh. That probably got him reelected. What about Dianne Feinstein from California, who just, just reports were coming out that she may acquit? <sighs> Look, who knows? There was, there was L.A. Times reported that today, but then she issued a hasty retraction. <laughs> right. Um, Look, I think I'd be pretty surprised if she voted to acquit. I, right. I think the so far the Democrats have been party line on everything. So you haven't seen any cracks in their facade. Um, I think you could see uh, Kristen Sinema, the new senator from Arizona. Mm -hmm. I, I could see a universe where she, vote, she votes to acquit. Um, it's not impossible that Doug Jones votes to acquit the, the Democrat from Alabama, although I don't think he will, but it's not impossible. Why don't you think he will? Because he's a Democrat in a very red state. Uh, I think he, he realizes he's going to lose in November. And, and so he's, he's wanting to do what, what Heidi Heidkamp, remember Heidi Heidkamp, who was a Democrat elected in yes. North Dakota? Yep. So last cycle, she just voted liberal on everything and went down and lost battle. <laughs> Go down swinging. And, right. and, and, and I think Jones has basically made that same call that he's going to lose. And so he wants to go back and be lionized in liberal circles. Speaking of efforts that seem futile but are probably worth a shot, you did not spend your whole day in the Capitol. You, I noticed, headed over to the White House where a new plan for peace in the Middle East was being announced. Can, can you? I mean, obviously you can if uh, physically, but is it uh, appropriate now for you to tell a little bit about what happened? Sure. And, and actually, as, as it so happens today, I went to the White House not once but twice. Hmm. Uh, so I started the day with a meeting in the White House with, with Jared Kushner, who's been the president's point person 
on the Middle East peace process and, and a number of other senators. And he was talking to us about the substance of their proposal and walking through it. And so it was essentially a pre-brief of here's what's going to be announced. And I got to say, the White House did a remarkable job of keeping the details quite quiet, which pretty much nothing in this town is quiet. So for them to do that was, was well done. And then I, I left and went to, went to a couple of meetings, and then I came back at, at noon for the big announcement. And, and President Trump was there, but also Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was there. And they had a big announcement at the White House. And, you know, it was interesting. I think there were several, several points that were, were powerful. Number one was just the contrast that President Trump is standing up and announcing major efforts trying to, to, to achieve peace in the Middle East. Now, that's hard. You want to talk about <laughs> yeah. really, really hard? That's hard. But you actually have a president who's working and trying to mm. advance American interests and trying to support our, our friend and ally Israel. And the contrast, the Democrats are just in this impeachment circle. And by the way, <laughs> at the announcement today with President Trump and uh, Prime Minister, Prime Minister Netanyahu. Netanyahu. You, you know how many Democrats were there at the announcement? How many? Zero. <laughs> well, they were so busy having fun at the impeachment uh, trial. They they're focused just on partisan politics. And and listen, the the deal, the terms of it are are still not. I don't know all the details of the terms. Do, yeah, is there any sense of what this deal includes? So, so what Jared walked through, and some of what the President Netanyahu walk through also is, is it is a deal that gives Israel a great deal. So it recognizes the legitimacy of settlements that Israel has had, settlements in what's called Judea and Samaria, which, which are beyond the lines, what are called the 1967 lines. And so that for Israel is a big deal. Okay. Israel was attacked uh, and in 1967 expanded the map of Israel in a defensive war where they were defending their borders. Mm -hmm. And, and this map recognizes Israel's sovereignty o over land that, that they've been in uh, for a long, long time. Half a but, century. But, but that's a major, uh, a, a major acknowledgement of, of Israel's rights of sovereignty. It, it also, uh, with regard to Jerusalem, keeps the core city of Jerusalem undivided. That is a big deal. So uh, there, there are some proposals that would divide Jerusalem between the, the Palestinian Arabs yes. and the Israelis. Now, and this, this proposal keeps a portion of East Jerusalem, but it's outside of what has technically been the city. So the Palestinians could call what they had Jerusalem, but it preserves what is actually Jerusalem right. to be an Israeli city. Okay. But, but, it, but it also uh, ensures that, that, that Muslims have access uh, to the mosque in Jerusalem and, and to the holy sites. So it, it is... It, it, but at the same time, it sets up conditions for creating a Palestinian state, a, a two-state solution. Okay. Um, and it also promises $50 billion in investment capital from Arab countries primarily, and, but it's a lot of capital into the new Palestinian state. Oh, well, that's a pretty, pretty nice uh, carrot stick there to try to bring people to the table for peace. And, and look, the, the devil is in the details. Palestinian Authority refused to show up. So you didn't have the leader mm. of the Palestinians there. But he was invited. He, was inv he wouldn't take the phone call. Huh. So, so this deal, while it may be a step forward, probably is not going to go anywhere. Well, maybe, maybe not. I, I'll say the Trump administration did a couple of things that are pretty impressive. Number one, they got the support not only of Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, but also Benny Gantz, who is his principal rival, and the two hmm. of them, they keep having election after election to determine right. who's going to be the next prime minister. Right. 
and and they're from different parties. They're different, very different politically. And both Netanyahu and Gantz supported this proposal. So the two big sides in Israel are are behind this this deal. That's a big deal that yes. that, that the Trump administration was able to unify the kind mm. of range of Israeli politics. That that was not easy. And secondly. Um, we've seen some early signs of support from the Arab world for this proposal. There were, there were three different uh, Arab ambassadors, uh, Muslim ambassadors, who, who were there at the announcement, which, which is a big deal as well. And part of the White House's strategy it, it is to try to get broad support so that the Palestinians feel more pressure to come to the table. Now, the White House has been very open that, that the details are negotiable, but you got to sit down and start negotiating. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my view on a two-state solution, there are a lot of Republicans who insist there's got to be a two-state solution. A two-state solution would be a state of Israel and then a new state for Palestine. Yeah, and that used to be kind of Republicans were adamant, Democrats were adamant about it, but a lot of Republicans were adamant about it. I, I have been pretty vocal in saying, who the hell are we to tell <laughs> them how they should resolve their security issues? That's a decision. Israel's a sovereign nation. Right. They should decide. If Israel thinks a two-state solution is a good idea, that's, that's fine by me, but we shouldn't force it down their throat. I was encouraged today because you had Netanyahu and Gantz supporting it. You had Israel pretty enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. If they make that determination, I think we should be supportive of that. And, and I will say... Listen, I'm, I have long been pessimistic that Middle East peace is going to burst out anytime soon. I don't right. think the Palestinian Authority wants peace. It would seem that way. I, right. I think they, they still refuse to recognize even that Israel has a right to exist as a Jewish state. Right. And they continue to embrace terrorism. I mean, they are in a unity government with Hamas, a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. But even though I'm pessimistic that because I don't think the Palestinians want peace— what I have urged the Trump administration for three years is because they've been very focused on trying to produce Middle East peace. You're more likely to get it if you're unequivocal in saying we stand with Israel. We're not going to waffle. We're not going to blow in mm-hmm. the wind. We're not going to be, oh, Playing I don't know. Sides, right. Because if that's the case, the Palestinians have demonstrated for decades, they'll play world opinion. They'll attack mm-hmm. us in the New York Times and let the U.S. Flat back and forth. And I will say the president has has agreed with what I've said. So, for example, the Trump administration moved our embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Republican and Democratic presidents had promised to do that. Nobody did it. Trump did it. That was a big deal. President Trump recognized the Golan Heights in the north of Israel as part of Israel. I had urged the president to do that. The president did it. And the president pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal. Right. Big, big deal. The Defense Department and State Department both opposed that. I made the case vigorously to the president. He did it. And I do think the dynamic, we are now negotiating from a position of strength where the president can say, we stand with Israel, but we'll facilitate right. a discussion for peace. And you know what? Palestinian Authority didn't show up, but the Democrats didn't either. <laughs> quite, quite a comparison. And it, it would seem, you know, obviously the White House has some credibility on this issue. So while we may not, unfortunately, resolve Middle East peace tonight, we can, in, in our last moment or two here, get to a couple questions in the mailbag. Great. From Jay. Who breaks the tie if the impeachment vote on witnesses comes in 50-50? 
So that's a complicated question. It's <laughs> it's not entirely clear from the rules. Um, so it's not, it, I would think there'd be a simple answer in the Constitution or something. Well, so there's normally a simple answer. So for most Senate votes, the vice president breaks the tie. The problem is the vice president isn't presiding. Right. So you don't have, and by the way, you wouldn't want the vice president <laughs> presiding in the impeachment of the president. It's got quite an interest. Because if he gets impeached, he literally gets the job <laughs> yeah. of president. So, 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 so that would be, the, the framers knew what they were doing when they didn't put the vice president in the chair. Right. Um, that'd be an interesting discussion if the vice president <laughs> cast the tie-breaking yes. vote. Well, sorry, bud. Sorry, but, you pal, know, you're out. You, you know, my <laughs> office is square. It's not nearly as interesting as yours. Um, Look, it is somewhat ambiguous if you go back uh, to, to the impeachment of Andrew Johnson. Uh, the chief justice who was presiding there tried to cast a couple of tie-breaking votes, then the Senate pressed back on him. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's unclear. Wow. It is possible the chief justice could try to cast a tie-breaking vote, but there, there is <laughs> ambiguity and uncertainty. We also adopted a scheduling rule, the language of which... I think permits both sides to argue they win in the case of a tie. If we get to a tie, it's bad news. The best the best thing to do is don't have any ties, get win by 51 votes. Right, right. As with so many aspects of this, though, it does seem we may be in, in uncharted territory. Uh, question from uh, Matt. Senator, where did you get your boots and where can I get a pair? <laughs> Uh, so these are, are Lucchese boots. They're made in El Paso, Texas, and I, I'm a huge fan of Lucchese. I have a bunch of pairs of Lucchese. And it's got the, the Senate uh, it, it, it emblem has the, on it. The Senate seal on the front, but then on the back, I don't know if the camera can get it or not, but there's what's called the come and take it flag, uh, <laughs> which in, in Texas, it was, it was pivotal for Texas independence. When, when Texas was, was part of Mexico, mm -hmm. part of the nation of Mexico, Santa Ana was the dictator in Mexico. And he issued an order to the town of Gonzales, a little town in South Texas. He said, hand over your guns and hand over the cannon that guards the city. And the Texians, that's what they called Texans back then, was Texians. The Texians in Gonzales, they, they made a flag and they hoisted it above the city. And it had a picture of the cannon. And underneath it, the legend, come and take it. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the Texas Revolution where it... it we fought a revolution, had the Alamo, but ultimately won at San Jacinto, and Texas became our own nation for nine years. We were the Republic of Texas, an independent nation, and then we joined the United States. So I, that, that's why I wear that flag. I love Texans, and I love Texians too, but I love Texans. <laughs> Last question is for me from By Steve. the way, a quick aside, Heidi and I go to church at First Baptist Church in Houston, yeah. something our pastor said a few years ago. Do you know our church was founded by... American missionaries abroad. Hmm. Because it was founded when they were the <laughs> Republic of Texas, and they were literally American missionaries who had gone to the foreign country of Texas <laughs> as missionaries, and they started a church, the First Baptist Church of Houston. And so in our charter... It was it was American missionaries visiting us. That and and look, their, their activities clearly worked, and you know they're also part of the country. Uh, last question before we go from Steve, for me, Michael, what's it like talking to the Zodiac Killer? It is great talking to the Zodiac Killer because true crime podcasts tend to do very well on the charts, and I think that may explain some of our success remaining, even today, the number one podcast in the country. Look, I, I, I will say, so I remember campaigning, and I went with this one young guy held up a sign that, 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 that said, are you the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> and, and I just, I stopped and asked him, I said, 
Son, if I was, <laughs> would you really want to bring that sign here today? <laughs> that I'm sufficiently terrified that I have to end the show. Uh, make sure to get your mailbag questions in. The, the Senate will now be asking questions of the legal teams, and we want to pass your questions along. So tweet it at Ted Cruz, hashtag verdict, and you can also email it in, mailbag at verdictpodcast.com. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Ben Ferguson here, and if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. And I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investments to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit Labrador Energy. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more now at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.